Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. This is a brilliant conversation Rory had with Tortoise Shack regular Dan Nickstrom who is the Irishman in Helsinki and he breaks down the differences and similarities that we have between our housing systems, maybe our energy systems, healthcare and childcare and it's a fascinating listen. Dan is a brilliant contributor and we're, we're always delighted that he takes part. Please, if you're listening to this, if you like what we're doing, patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack helps us keep these mics on and conversations happening and if you go there right now there's links to our eventbrite page where we are going live in ballymun uh, next friday so it's going to be a brilliant night rory will be there i'll be there but don't let that put you off tickets for members are about a tenner for everybody else i think it's about 13 quid so if you could head over to the patreon page you'll get your you'll get your tickets discounted there if not, just jump on Eventbrite and throw in Tortoise Shack. You'll find the details there. Can't wait to take part in Ballymun Wellfest. Really looking forward to it. Hope to see lots of you there. Come along and enjoy Tortoise Shack Live. Honestly, they are the best nights out. Thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. I won't delay any further. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope, and I'm your host, Rory Hearn. I'm delighted today to be joined the podcast by Dan Nickstrom, who is an Irishman in Helsinki in Finland. He's been on the Tortoise Shack um, before in in the echo chamber and has had great responses, and he, we were in touch over Twitter uh, he was put up a tweet about my book that um, got a really big reaction. Um, just And he'll talk about it himself. And we're going to talk about the book in a little while. But there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about, Dan. Uh, talk to Dan first about. The one that caught me was in his bio, he says he hurls with the Helsinki heart. <laughs> and listeners would be familiar that alongside my housing campaigning and social justice and inequality, I also have this quirky uh, side, which is my um, aficionado of hurling because I come from Tremor in Waterford. Um, and the last time I played hurling, I played up, up till under 21. Um, and I still have this dream that maybe I'll go back and play for a year. But um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, the, the years are starting to take get away from me. But uh, the dream lives on. Dan, you play hurling. Uh, well, yeah, I do for my sins. Yeah, yeah, yeah over here. It, t- it took a move to, to Helsinki to, to really get started at it. It's, uh, it's funny. We'll, we'll, we'll take you on board. No one, could, no one that could tackle you. No, no one that could tackle me. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a sort of a, you know, from a, 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 a small fish in a big pond to, a, to whatever, to a small pond or something like that. Because yeah. uh, uh, definitely if any of the lads back home are listening to this, I wouldn't have been known as a master hurler back in my youth now. I would have been warming the bench pretty much every time. But uh, you come I over here and suddenly you're a superstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great bench warmer I was. Yeah. Right? <laughs> A great fellow when they were up like 10 goals and 20 points to no score, they'd bring me on with five minutes to go. Well, my my claim to fame was I remember one time uh, being brought on, I think it was under 14, under 16, something like that, being brought on with about 10 minutes to go. I mean, taken back off about three minutes later. It was, it was that's fairly cruel now for a young lad, but I was just, I just, it was so funny. Back off, take him off again. Oh, so that was great. I remember that. I could do a few uh, therapy sessions on that, the impact <laughs> of that, uh, sitting on that bench in the cold days and Tremor. But anyway, um, what I was going to say to you was, yeah, the, the hurling there. What club did you play for back home? 
Well, I played for Castletown Gagan but way back in the day. I think I stopped. I think I played as far as under sixteen, and Where's I stopped then. Uh, oh, you don't know Castletown Gagan It's in the middle of Westmead. It's a uh, uh, Westmead, of course, being a hurling stronghold, uh, as I know very well. But uh, uh, Castletown Gagan is a. It would be a very good hurling club in a county that's not so much into hurling. So, uh, uh, and my grandfather and all. Westmead did Westmead not beat Kilkenny or something like about four or five years ago? Oh, or beat somebody. It's like we probably did something one time. Like I mean, it's coming along a little bit. But it definitely Dublin wouldn't be known as a. Yeah. We haven't been in Croke Park too often, Harlan. I'll tell no, you that much. No, 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 no. Very good. But listen, you set up the Helsinki Harps, did you? Uh, no, so the Helsinki Harps was already set up, uh, and when I came over here, but they were only a football team. They, they only had oh, football okay. going on. So I came over, and I was landed in Finland. I was like trying to find, a few, make a circle of friends, do that sort of stuff. And I was looking up some Irish stuff around, and I was like, oh, there's a GA club. But then I saw they only played football, and to be honest, I was never that interested in Gaelic football. So I said, ah, I'll leave it off. Yeah. I won't bother but then they, i saw a post they put up saying about like oh we're thinking of starting some hurling if anyone's interested so i went down on myself and uh, there was a couple of other people showed up as well and between a lot of us we kind of pitched in together and we we got it going and we uh, we started uh, the hurling club as part of the helsinki harps and so yeah it's, it's been doing really good now and now there's two hurling clubs in finland uh, another one has started in uh, another city Tampere, and we have a an ongoing rivalry with them now so uh, so yeah it's, it's great so do you think you have a chance for the all finland final well, yeah, we're hoping so. We're hoping so. Uh, it's been fairly tight now with 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 with, with Tampere, and we've seen them. They've been training a good bit. We're a bit lazy. We all have. Most of us are in our thirties, and we have families and kids and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's hard. So we'll see how it goes. But we'll we'll certainly try yeah, our when best. Have you played them, or have you played them? We've played them twice already now, and uh, we, we went easy on them, so they bet us both times. <laughs> but our plan is now third times the chance. We're we're sort of sharking them, you know, you know. So we're yeah. we're going to wait and we're going to pounce on the next time, and 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 then then we'll we'll really make a count. Okay, well, listen. You have to let us know when the next match is on. Absolutely, one hundred percent. We'll we'll plug it and we'll we'll try and find out what the score is and how. Yeah. It's going. See if you can get put on score.ie. You know the way all the club matches and. Oh yeah, that. that's a great no idea. Reason why you shouldn't be added to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll try for sure. We're an official club, like we're affiliated with GAS. So yeah. Yeah, very good, very good. And listen, you were telling me before we came on that your uh, your young fella started to to play hurling in the uh, in the crash or in the uh... yeah in the crash with a snow shovel yeah 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 so I have to deal with that now he hit someone with a snow shovel so yeah yeah that was great crack this morning to deal with that but anyway now, was he, he actually he's... playing hurling or was he just well hurling? I don't know what he was doing he's been he's been to hurling training a few times with us so he's used to whacking hurl so maybe it was a little bit of a little bit of something he got a little bit mixed up I'll have to deal with that have a chat with him yeah. this evening when he comes yeah. home so yeah, yeah yeah all the funds of parenting I have, I have a toddler and I have uh, uh, an eight month old as well so it's always good cracking all go all good yeah. he was probably just saying well she man wasn't close enough to me like he was you know a hurley length away so what exactly I do? he should have came in he should have exactly. went in. you know he hung back it's his own fault if you get hurt it's your own fault <laughs> exactly exactly and listen dan um as well you you've a son who's scoliosis and and that's, that's the one the that's the hurler why that's the hurler well isn't yeah, that yeah yeah great great <laughs> tell us a little bit about that you know it's part of why you went to finland yeah, it is part of the reason for sure. Um, we've been nearly two years here now, and he um, he was born with scoliosis. It was detected in the womb. Um, they they yeah. could see they could see uh, the, the lady in uh, in Mullingar Hospital. She was fantastic. She 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 just happened to notice on the ultrasound like a little little something just doesn't look right in the spine, a little bit of a kink or something like that. And yeah. they confirmed it with an X ray when he was three days old. Uh, but then started the whole process of the the hardship kind of in Ireland because we're involved with the scoliosis advocacy network. They do great yeah. work altogether. So we've been involved with them since day one, but uh, show months and months and months waiting for someone to just look at an X-ray to confirm the, the actual diagnosis and then to try and see someone. And then should it was, oh, uh, the referral was lost in the post. 
because of course they post the referrals <laughs> and all this sort of malarkey. But but basically it, it was a, a long process and then getting into to seeing them and the staff are amazing. The, the surgeon we met with and the nurses and everything, they're all working under huge pressure. But like you're in there and you can tell it's panic stations and like they're trying to cram in as many people as possible and you're in an old hospital, all this stuff. But um, so we'd heard so many horror stories about people being left so long languishing on lists. And we were lucky, our, our, our son died. No, he, he's reasonably mild as his scoliosis he still needed a surgery but it was reasonably mild there's a lot of kids a lot worse off than him with a lot and um, more complex situations and they seem to be the ones unfortunately who really do get do get forgotten about so um uh, like we can't know for sure that we wouldn't have been seen in a timely fashion when we were in Ireland, but we yeah. were seeing all of the, like, you can't chance these, you see someone who said like, but we thought we were supposed to be seen. And then suddenly six months later, it got canceled and we got moved. And then that got, and suddenly I'm two years. And like, you know, it's like, it creeps up on you. So for us, we had the option someone, to, there was someone on the radio there during the week talking about that, that they were all set for the operation and they done isolation and everything yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the operation cancelled yeah oh, it's absolutely heartbreaking so for us we had the option to move to, to Finland at the time and my wife is from here and and so there was a couple of things up in the air and w w one of the things that helped us move us we said well here we won't have the stress of worrying about is this going to go right or not for us so like we we left before we were in a, hor a horrific situation and maybe it mightn't have happened it could have gone very smoothly or mightn't it's kind of a toss of a coin it feels back yeah. home so yeah. we, we we took the chance we had and and he had a surgery there uh, a couple of months ago, so he's flying it now. He's he's he was he wasn't able to walk for um uh, nearly two months. He was bedbound, but uh, now he's back up on his feet. He's coming to hurling training. He's running around the place and he's doing great. So we're um, we're just really happy to have it have it over and done with. So it's 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 a real relief for us. And how that that's amazing. And he was bedbound for two months. How was that? Oh, that was that was fairly intense, all right. Now, but but I'll tell you, I couldn't believe the resilience of kids. So he he's just gone three he was two almost three when he had the surgery so they had to remove one of his vertebrae basically and fuse the yeah. other two above so then he was in this full body cast and um for the first couple of days it was very tough of course because he was so confused we tried to explain it as best you can but at that yeah. age it's hard but then after yeah. a, after a few days he just got used to it and they told us this would happen and apparently with kids this age they just get used to it so he was in bed he had his little toys he'd play with his cars on he had a little tray on his bed and stuff like that yeah. and he, he just didn't complain about the cast after a few days it was amazing he he, and I'd carry him around to lift him from place to place. We push him around in in a buggy that has that reclines and just kind of get him around. And he, I, I, I was really amazed. So it, it it went a lot smoother than we thought it was going to go. I thought he'd be really upset nearly the whole time, but um, we were really really surprised with that. So it, it it was really reassuring to know if there is another parent who's going to go through something similar. That typically kids at that age they adapt very quickly to it. Now when they yeah. get a bit older, it's a lot more tough. But I think at that two three, they're still um still very yeah. adaptable. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I have a three-year-old as well, and Jesus, the thought of uh, trying to put her in a car, you know, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, it's horrific because it, you know, there's, there's no real rationality with a three-year-old. What's I know, no, 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 no. That's the thing we were trying to figure it out. So, like, how do you explain that yeah. this, you know, an abstract concept of something that he can't see that's in his own back? But yeah. no, we were we were re really pleasantly surprised, and now it feels like a million years ago. It's like Everton has moved on. He's back to himself. He's he's what, wearing. What's a his prognosis now? 
Yeah, but basically, so he wears a brace at the moment for the next yeah. two months just yeah. to hold everything together. But he has full mobility of his legs and his arms. He just can't go on the slides or the trampolines and all that stuff. But uh, he can do most things. But uh, his prognosis is that he shouldn't need any surgery ever for the rest of his life. That should be it done for, for, in his particular case. He yeah. should be done and dusted. Something can happen, but it's very unlikely. Um, uh, but, but in his case, he had congenital scoliosis. So he was born with a deformity in his spine. Mm. Uh, oftentimes, you would have um, idiopathic scoliosis, which means that for some unknown reason, the spine just starts curving and bending. So they're the two different types of scoliosis. So like I said, his was a relatively straightforward case. There are a lot of uh, parents who have kids with lots of different um, other issues uh, that, that they have to deal with and need multiple surgeries ongoing for that and they really are the ones who who do suffer because they're such complex cases might need multiple surgeons and it's like if the system isn't able to handle they're unfortunately the ones that really um, seem to seem to suffer so uh, I would encourage anyone to follow the, the scoliosis advocacy network if they do want to want to know more about this and stay in touch with the sort of issues there because they're great yeah yeah no absolutely um and you know and of course we know that it is our you know health system which has been you know consistently underfunded since the foundation of the state we've never had um a proper public health system developed like they have had in the likes of finland and norway the the so-called nordic social democratic mm-hmm. models where they're prioritized um health and education and housing as a social yes. right um, this is the core of what I teach in my social policy modules. Great. Um, in uh, Manute is, you know, that that it is a social right there. It's viewed as like this is this is the social contract. You get access. Everybody equally gets access to healthcare, education, um, you know, support. And then you have a system that that works. Is, is it as yeah. straightforward as that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is. And that's why since I've moved here, I, I for me, I find it very interesting to move to a different country, look how it's done there and think yeah. about how it was done at home and look at the differences because it's it's completely different. And, and I think you hit it, the nail really on the head there and uh, that there is this understanding that all of this stuff is done for the greater good for the society. And it's not like they're all some angels or some whatever. It's, it's just like, no, no, everyone understands that this is best for everybody. So it's best for me too. It's 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 also a selfish thing as well. It's like, yeah. if the society is healthy and everything is good, well, then my life is better and I have better. So it's it's just a different way of looking at things, I guess. And and when I was reading your book, that's kind of what, what, what caused me to, to put up that tweet was just that it just kind of hit me in particular in the homelessness chapter when I was reading it. And it was just, this idea that it just struck me then that's like yeah we've just accepted it in ireland like it's like it's just that like the situation that's going on as particularly in homelessness is so like wrong and that it it just hit me then and it was like why is this just kind of of course everyone says oh isn't it terrible but it's just that like there's this almost accept uh, acceptance that's like well it it has to be like this it's like what's your that's just the way it is you're these people so you can't do anything for them you can't do this and you hear a lot of this opinion on on uh particularly online you see people complaining about having to see these people on the lewis or whatever and it's just heartbreaking for me to to think that there are other countries that don't treat it like that they say that the society as itself is all one unit that has to be taken care of and there are ways to do that so of course what works in finland might not necessarily work in ireland or different countries different cultures but if you have a lot of issues in in housing healthcare, childcare, whatever surely it makes sense to look at other countries that aren't having those issues and think what could we apply that they're doing that might help us you know even if it's a long-term project you know yeah, no, it's really interesting. We'll come on to the housing and homelessness um, shortly. The, the that thing of the culture, 
because it is something in that what you're what I'm hearing from you like it's it's within the cultural attitudes is it is it something that people just are they taught it in school do they have the conversations at home is it kind of talked about all the time like where is that where are those ideas nurtured from i i think it's like I don't think it's something that's that's consciously talked about a lot. I think it's like whatever system you grow up in, the, you, you'll just unconsciously the, little things here and there just add to your your worldview and how how things come. So if if you've been in that environment and that's all you've known, it, it's just normal. It's it's not like everyone sits around every morning and says, "Let's think about all of the people and like you know do all this." Like it's it's not like that at all. But I think from everything to be like, say for example, that when you're born the fact that everyone gets this baby box no matter what they you know they get with all of the all of the clothes for the children all of this and that's for free and it goes to whether you're rich or poor whatever you all have this the, everyone gets the, the basics and the clothes and the, and the little te- thermometers and all this stuff and you give it that and then when you start the, the, the daycare if you have children it's like everyone goes to the same daycares there's state run daycares and your kids are in with the other kids the, the kids who are from who have parents who have no income are in there with the kids who are rich it's like it, there's a lot of social cohesion and and more people use the, the the state healthcare here. There's a lot less people use private health insurance here, and and then when you go to school, it's um, uh, everyone gets um, school meals there for free. You get your hot school meals and childcare. Uh, What's the cost of childcare? What's the availability of childcare? Childcare is incredibly affordable here. It's it's a uh, uh, everyone's entitled to childcare, and if your income as a household is less than four thousand euros a month, yeah, which is significant enough. If it's less than four thousand euros a month, your childcare is free zero zilch full-time childcare free even if you're not working you're unemployed you're on benefits you still get free childcare because your child might need that I'm even more than uh, from from one from the age of one to, to they start school which is at seven over here is when they officially start school if so you're talking to someone like who's crucified literally crucified yeah. by childcare costs i can imagine so i can only imagine i should i hear the costs of back home and it's insane. two thousand a month for two kids in full-time oh my god fresh. Well, because right, okay, so so that's if your income is less than four thousand. It's this: if you're a, a, a normal income, we'll say of two working fam- parents, we'll say something like that. Uh, you'll probably pay maybe a hundred a month. The the most you can pay if you're a CEO or someone with a huge salary, you'll pay two eighty a month is what you pay. That's most you'll pay, and that's the first child. The second child is forty percent of that. So if you pay a hundred for the first child, you pay forty euros for the second child, and you pay twenty for the third child if they're in there. So and and that's. <laughs> And that's full time. And and you'd want to see, I dropped him off to the daycare d- d- this morning. It's like, a, it's, I'd say the one he's in is like a theme park. They're a huge area to play in. They have gymnastics rooms with, with climbing walls and b- bouncy things. And it's it's like, you know, it's not like and, and they're they all... Run, are they run by the councils? They hire... They are, or- they're run by Helsinki City. Helsinki City runs the ones in Helsinki. The different, uh, it, it's divided up into municipalities here. So yeah. the municipalities have a lot more control. And they, like they what we would consider as the local council. Exactly. The, the local council Southern runs City them. Council, Kildare County Council. Exactly. Whatever. So the local council is responsible the workers, for that. They run it. Yep, they hire the workers and the workers are hired. As far as I understand, most of the workers are they're on, you know, permanent contract or they're on a contract. They have their holidays. They're not yeah. this like paid by the hour and then going yeah. to dole for the summer, this sort of stuff. Now, yeah. of course, it's not it's not a utopia here. Of course, yeah. not that they, 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 I, I'm a big advocate for paying the childcare workers more. They, they don't get paid yeah. enough here. And uh, yeah. and they, they actually struggle a little bit with hiring um, with having enough staff sometimes. And yeah. it blows my mind because I'm like, it's so cheap. 
pay them, like charge me another 20 euros a month, 30 euros a month, whatever, and please pay these people a little bit more. It, it's a little bit frustrating uh, sometimes with that, but but there's plenty of space to, to do something like that here. So, um, uh, But it, it is the, the, the city councils, they get taxed. They, they have a far bigger budget. They also run the healthcare. So imagine it'd be like DCC running the healthcare in Dublin, running the childcare in Dublin and running all the social services. So it's a, it's a different setup. Uh, it's unimaginable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So at it's, one it, level, at one level, it's on, but it, it's not how our system works. But we do exactly, have, yeah. we do have, you know, at, at what is starting, like you know, our schools work really, really well here. Generally, do you know what I mean? Yeah, our, for uh, sure. Yeah, you know, the Department of Education, the teachers do incredible work. The the yeah. there's incre- there we actually do have, you know, large parts of our health system are incredible. You know, most of it is incredible. For sure, absolutely. It does, yeah. but it's the doctors do amazing the nurses your gps like you don't have a gp over here like you do in ireland so that that, that is something that is, that okay. is very nice like you know that you have your gp you go to it's a lovely thought i don't know how sustainable it is into the future but like yeah. the idea that you have this person who like knows you and your man your family you know yeah. it, it's lovely but whether that's realistic in cities in particular i think is is is, is a different thing but yeah no but it's interesting because like i'm making the argument now for a state construction company a public yeah. construction agency that yeah. would be set up um to build housing on, on a major scale as, as in the book and all the compact me on <laughs> the 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 arguments are oh but look at the hsc what a disaster that is look at yeah. the state no matter what it does it's a disaster and i'm like that's actually not true you yeah, know, the, yeah, state, yeah. the state does incredible things like the state is not the state the state is our teachers our nurses our guards yeah. our doctors and they do incredible things um and provide incredible quality services under you know situations of severe underfunding in a yep. state that doesn't view these things as a social right as a social good like yep. in finland um so it's really interesting listen we could talk all day about that but let's get on to uh the book which is um yeah yeah kind of what, what i'm at at the moment and trying to for get sure yeah out there and get as many people as possible reading it uh to change the conversation and change the way things are here you know it does seem to be having a big impact at the moment um, oh, abso- absolutely. I, I was very, I, I really enjoyed reading it. And thank you very much for putting it together. I think it's very, very timely and very important book to read. And it was like, it was um, like, it, it's very comprehensive. And I really enjoyed going through it. And uh, like I said, in particular, it was the homelessness parts that really struck a chord with me. But there's so much stuff throughout it and the solutions at the end and coming down to like, you know, I think it's just, uh, of course, people can disagree with many parts. And of course, they're entitled to have other opinions. But I yeah. think as a, it's really good to sit down with it and like go through it and think about ideas and think about what would be possible what wouldn't be possible and i i think it's really important to have discourse like this and to, and to have information like this put forward so uh, i just want to want to say thanks very much for that i really enjoyed reading it ah great i'm delighted to hear yeah. that and did you find it like was it difficult to read um no no it was difficult to read for me because i have these children and it's like <laughs> yeah. in the evenings trying to find the time trying to sit down and read it so it, it, it was kind of broken up as i read it so i it, it took me longer than i would normally take to read a book like that but no i, I loved how like it was very nice how it was set up in the chapters and and uh, I, there was a lot of that like we'll say when you when you put the price showed the prices changing as you were going through the chapters of the housing in dublin and around ireland and stuff like that and then seeing the statistics put a uh, put one to one side with the actual human stories, I think was, 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 was very good. And what struck me as well was you raised the point that, um, that, you know, 
that housing is a very particular thing that, that people will pay whatever they have to. Like people, because people need housing. So it's, you're really asking to be taken advantage of because if you need housing, but there's a shortage of housing and if prices are high, you got to pay it. So that it's almost this self-fulfilling circle where like, you know, your landlord, even if your landlord is, is a, has a good heart and is a good person and all that, but they're seeing like, Jesus, the price of up, next door went up. Sure, I can. And suddenly everyone starts upping their prices. And yeah. like, suddenly it's like this, like, why does it have to be, <laughs> like this you know it's like we can control this we can have some effect because everyone's going to try and make as much money as they can it's in their nature so it's um it's when you have this shortage you end up with the, with the situation and when you don't have controls and when you don't have a, a state that's actually building social housing you, you run into this so so no I, I i very much enjoyed kind of going through this and stopping and thinking and looking up different stuff online while i was reading through yeah. it. so it was it, it was very enjoyable for me and was there anything in it that kind of really struck you as you know that's you know that's something I hadn't thought about before, or something that you know was. There, there was the, there was. I, I know I keep coming back to the homelessness, but that was uh, for, that just kept sticking in my mind. But it, there was the visualization of actually seeing these families in this one room and imagining a, a sick child. You mentioned that, and when you think about that, like just this everyday normal, trying to get through your normal everyday life, but you're in a, a hotel room or a, a dingy B and B or in a tiny little place, and you have a kid who's gotten sick, and he's after getting sick all over the this, and you don't have a washing machine, and you're stressed. You're trying to get up in the morning to try and sort out your life, and just the chaos of that and just trying to understand that that's something that we we just have to fix and just using examples of what is done around the world and different ways it can be done and clearly outlying where we have clearly failed in building social housing for example and, yeah. and certain things like that but it, you know it's 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 all there it's clear in the book if you go through it and take your time and of course there's some parts that are, that, that some people won't agree with and that's fine but like the the, the the basis of it i think there's um there's no one can argue that there's an awful lot of very good points being made there and uh, I, i'd be very happy to discuss with someone who disagrees with certain parts and like you know that's that that's very important as well you know yeah absolutely yeah yeah so there's nothing in you to disagree with Oh no! There was. I don't know, I'm sure there was. I'm sure there was. It wasn't just like everything was perfect. No, as I went, I'm sure there were certain things that seemed a little. I, I can't remember them off the top of my head right now. There was a few times when it was just like, oh yeah, that could work probably. But like, there's certain things, you know, that, that of course that that uh, that that might might be realistic might be realistic but there were some things that i saw that was um that was somewhat similar to to something in in finland there was something you suggested what did you call it you called it like gaffs for ireland or ireland there was something that was mentioned homes ireland's um the homes the idea of the affordable housing that would remain affordable housing but people could buy it my idea is that people can buy you know the state would build Yes. homes that people could buy but yes. then they wouldn't be able to sell those on the open market yes but they yes. would be able to sell them to other people who are looking to buy an affordable home yes so it's this idea that you would keep a stock much like social housing yeah but it would be a stock of um of permanent affordable homes that people yep. could buy yeah what, what i thought was interesting is it got me thinking about so in finland like there is certain systems somewhat similar to that but there, there's basically five different ways you can get a home in finland so yeah. you can have you can have social housing yeah. you can be owner occupied which is you know buying a, a place you can have private rental then you have right of occupancy and right. student housing so right of occupancy is kind of it's an interest where it's like a middle ground where you pay 15 percent of the cost of the house or apartment yeah and you're entitled then to live there forever as long as you want it's yours uh, it can't be taken away from you at any point um if you want 
yeah, you can buy it out fully, or you can continue to to pay basically a rent every every month. But it's basically it's very small. It's to cover any maintenance costs and all that sort of stuff, maintenance yeah. and heating and all that stuff. And then you can pass that on. Let's say if you you've only bought your fifteen percent and you've stayed in it for many years, you could pass it on in your will to a child or someone like that. You're entitled to do that, no problem. So it's it's like a way of getting your foot onto this um, being a property owner to a certain extent or having something that you want to pass on, but you don't have the money to buy a property yourself or you're not sure if you can yet so it's a I, you think maybe in the future i will but now i'd really like to live here and i don't want to rent and i don't yeah. qualify for social so it, it was an interesting it, it kind of it, I, it reminded me of some of the stuff you were you were mentioning in your book yeah. there as well like thinking outside the box a little bit like we don't have to do it the exact same way we've always done it there are other <laughs> options there yeah. and that's what i think yeah. is was really refreshing there are many different ways this can be done we don't have to stick to the way we've been doing it now and there's lots of examples all around the world that we can draw from yeah. And of course, Finland, I write about quite a bit in the yeah. book, and I'm sure you connected with that. that I didn't. You know, in, in terms of homelessness, you know, what Finland has done is just, you know, it's incredible. And yep. you know, I go through, you know, in terms of, you know, my analysis and reading the, the research on it. Um, you know, it, it seems to be that, you know, what Finland did was they set up essentially a, an agency for to provide homes for yep. those who are homeless and they closed the emergency shelters, yep. got rid of the whole emergency accommodation. And this company, which was a, a social enterprise and um, the Y Foundation went yep. and bought homes and built builds homes itself. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. practically. Uh, you know, really radically reduced homelessness to the point where ending homelessness is seen as a real possibility. Yeah, they're planning to do it by 2027. Like, like since I've, I've been living here for two years in Helsinki nearly now, I haven't seen one rough sleeper, not one ever. I've never seen a rough sleeper in, the, in my whole time in the city. Like, you know, and it's, uh, and there's just an understanding that, of course, if you go to certain parts of the city, you'll see lads who are on the street drinking or lads who have, you could have, have certain issues and may have drug problems as well, but they have a place to go to, you know, it's yeah. like, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's, it's, it's not like the, all of the social problems were solved, but it went a huge long way and you do not have people, you don't have to see tents in the street, you don't see people sleeping in doorways, you don't see any of that, I've never seen it anyway. Yeah, and of course, the other thing is, that's the, the visible, you know, side of homelessness, which yeah. is actually the 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 smaller amount is the people yes. who sleep on the streets yes the, the big homelessness here is those who are in the emergency shelters the emergency yep. accommodation and we have you know as a show in it like 3200 children and their families mm-hmm. living in these forms of either hotels bnbs family hubs completely inappropriate yep. um i think the the figure for families who are homeless in in helsinki i was looking at was maybe 70 you know, there's well yep. over uh, 1,000 families homeless in Dublin. Yeah. You know, and it's and, just... And their definition of homelessness exactly. is so much wider here. Yeah, yeah, do, yeah. Do, uh, like, like those um, families are, are probably not, I don't know, are probably yeah. not in emergency accommodation. What they're probably in is short-term leases. Yeah. So they're considered or situations maybe of overcrowding or because... They exactly. That. I would it, assume it, it's something like that. here the hidden homelessness and we don't count it. Yeah, because they count the hidden homelessness. They have statistics and they've gathered yeah. statistics. And like yeah. if you're living with your parents, you're considered homeless here because you do not have your own home. You're living with your parents. If you're an adult living with your parents, you're designated as homeless there. Yeah, you're in the homeless statistics as homeless here. And if you're looking for social that housing, means our here, homelessness levels here would be 450,000. Be, be, like if we counted it, it would be. Yeah, if we looked at those, if we actually counted them up and put them side by side, like if you're looking for social housing in, in Helsinki, you know, there's a lot of there's more than more than double the amount of social housing there is in Dublin they have in Helsinki. And um, there's a, I, I was going through the reading some documents as preparation for this. Yeah. And if 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 you want, if you're um, 
there's urgency levels, the most extremely urgent need of housing, right, are people who are homeless, um, employees in the Helsinki area who have no home, renters with a fixed term or terminated lease agreement, or adults still living with their parents. If you're an adult living with your parent, you are classed as being extremely urgent need of housing on the social housing list. So, like, that's that's, the, that's just... different. Imagine that in Ireland, you know. So, and if, if you're subletting a home, you're seen as extremely urgent need of housing. It's a, like, you know, so the bar is so much higher here. Yeah, yeah. And then Helsinki itself has, the city has a construction um, company, yeah. construction development Hecka, yeah, is the in charge of the of the social housing. So uh, there is a mixture of stuff going on. They're, they do build themselves, but they, an awful lot of it is that there's construction companies that they work with who, like, you yeah. know, they have subcontracts stuff out there. So, but they are definitely very much involved in all of the design and the creation of it. And they do have, there is, there, you can work with Hecka uh, and like, like with the city council and you, uh, a lot of it will be maintenance and maintenance worker doing all that sort of stuff, but they do do construction as well themselves. I'm not sure on the figure exactly of what that is, but definitely they, they are, they, and, and the, the Y Foundation as well. I think they ha- had some construction wing or something. So there, there, there is a lot, like there's a huge amount of construction going on here all the time, and uh, and there's always this mixture of social housing and regular housing. And the city is very involved in deciding what sort of housing goes where, and uh, what it's going to look like. What are the 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 you know the, the connections with transport? Uh, is there enough daycares? Is there enough this? It seems the city itself, uh, the city council, is is really 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 in, in, involved in 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 all of this. Yeah, and it's fascinating. It really is fascinating, you know, and when we say, again, all this is about, you know, hopefully challenging, you know, ourselves to think that and, and to, to you know, imagine that actually it can be different, you know, it yep. doesn't have to be like it is in Helsinki, but what Helsinki and Finland show is that it can be different. It doesn't have yep. to be like this. Well, we know from our own past here, yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't have to be like this, that, um, you know, this scale or, the, you know, anything like this, that we can actually provide homes. Um, are there much investor funds over in, in Helsinki? Yeah, I was looking into it. I was trying to figure it out. I was I was doing some digging into it. it, it, it there's quite a lot of data that Helsinki City puts out on the, on, on the housing and so forth that they have. But I couldn't find much about investor funds. There is some element of it there. There is some element. They have some sort of a REIT law of some description, but I think it's quite restrictive because I know there's there's a new area, a whole new, there's two new districts of the city that were created. They they moved the the port from the city center out further and they created two brand new districts with about 50,000 homes to 50,000 people. So they were built from scratch. So uh, part of one of those has these tall uh, towers. They have some 30, 40 story uh, blocks. There's eight of them. And they're the only really, really high rise in, in Helsinki. So I think they were some sort of investor fund had some involvement in those and has probably some connection but i think it's 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 far far less than what you see in dublin the figures for yeah. dublin are staggering like for these yeah. apartments that are these built to rent all this stuff and even if they are some investor funds i think there's a huge control on built to rent i don't even know how much of that happens there is some element of it i'm sure but it's a uh, it's in the vast minority from from everything that that i could tell but like i i couldn't get over like the difference in what happens for example one of these new areas Kalasatama, i've been my wife's my wife's mother lives there and it was, it was when i came here first it was a, a building site it was just yeah. i think now there's thousands and thousands of people living there they're still working on it you put your your rubbish right into the bin there's no bin lorries the rubbish goes into this little hatch and there's vacuum tubes that suck it under the ground to some central uh, area where they're all handled and taken care of to like like when they built this part of the city from scratch you said let's put in this here because it like keeps the traffic off the roads don't have to have the bin lorries like the, like the scale of things it just blows my mind i'm just like yeah. you know it's 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 seen as being the fantasy and the thinking and the exactly the vision and the yep yeah, and and yeah. 
and all this. And what's funny, what people will often say for an argument online, uh, people will say, ah, yeah, but Helsinki, should there's no one moving there. Dublin has filled up with these foreigners and that's why we have no homes for everyone. But I I looked at the statistics and if you look at the Dublin metropolitan area and Helsinki metropolitan area, from 1990 to 2020, Dublin's population grew by 33%. Helsinki's grew by 50%. Yeah. So Helsinki is actually growing fast. In 1990, Helsinki had 870,000. Dublin had 900,000. Helsinki is 1.3 million now. Dublin is 1.2 million. It's actually growing faster. And even from 2010 to 2020, Dublin grew by 10%. Helsinki grew by 16%. So it's, it, it is a fast-growing city. They're just building, 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 planning, planning, planning. So that argument doesn't work. Now, Ireland as a whole did increase in population faster than Finland as a whole. That, that is true. And of course, yeah. there can be issues from that, but you can plan for these things. But from the, from Dublin City, compared to Helsinki City, that, that, that isn't the case at all. So so it's um, that kind of puts that argument on its on its thing. But um, It sure does. It sure does. Yeah. And it's interesting what you're saying is like they're building, building all the time and the city is yeah. so involved in this. And obviously that requires significant funding and finance. And that comes yeah. from taxation, from local taxation, from national regional taxation well you 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 would you would have that definitely there are there, there are there are no, there would be investors involved for sure like i mean like like just private building companies for example who would be yeah. like, like big construction companies yeah like when you talk about investors like say if i think about these multinational REITs and stuff like that mm. i think most of the building is done by there's city and taxation involvement and then there's private construction firms typically yeah. finnish construction firms who would yeah. be financing stuff so these big projects so it's and then getting financing from banks and stuff like that but i think yeah. mostly it is like the, the, there is of course as private investors these these it's a capitalist country so but these yeah. uh, these construction firms typically are the ones who finance it from what i can tell of course there's mixture of different money going on but it, it does seem to be something that it's 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 funding from the from the country as well as these these um these uh construction companies who who, yeah. who, who yeah. seem to yeah. be doing that yeah, no, it's really interesting, really fascinating. And, and um, it's, again, you know, the idea, I think, you know, the, the city, what I was thinking there in terms of like the public housing idea and these yeah. different forms of housing, there obviously isn't that stigma of social housing or is there? No, no. Towards social housing. I have two, three, three friends of mine here live in social housing here in, in Helsinki. And it's a, uh, there's no stigma whatsoever. And like, for example, one of my mates, uh, he's a carpenter. His wife is a social worker. They live in a little, it's a house, uh, not an apartment. They live in a little house. And it's, uh, I think it's something between six or 800 euros a month or something. Lovely little house with a back garden, front garden. And he, he's a carpenter. I, and he, he actually, he's, he's working on two amazing projects at the moment, two huge daycares that they're building in the city center, fully from timber. You know, it's like really nice stuff yeah. to see, but, uh, but, yeah and then another friend he's a he's a he works in a he's a sound technician his wife is an artist and then another friend she's a a, a daycare worker and it's completely normal that you would stay in in, in city housing like it's a there's no stigma at all really attached to it like of course some people in the upper class would have some things to say but you'll always have that but typically amongst normal working normal everyday people uh, there would be there would be nothing like that because it's it, it's well maintained it's mixed in with everyone it's not like you're in some shabby estate somewhere that's all dodgy and there's young lads doing donuts this concept that ireland have of of social housing here is just like what is okay the city uh, owns your house you pay rent to the city whatever it's much the same really you know it's um yeah. Uh, from my perspective anyway like when i look out my window here there's city housing right beside me there's there's so uh you know and there's, they're mixed in i'm in uh, are in a private house it, but it's on city land it's quite common here that uh even if there was a private developer who built a who built an, uh, an apartment block for example he re- the land is rented from the city 
And I thought what's quite interesting here, uh, uh, um, there was something I was thinking about in your book as well, is that is how how apartments are run here in Helsinki. So if you buy an apartment in Helsinki, yeah. technically you don't buy the apartment. Technically, you buy shares in the co-op who owns the building. So there's a company, there's a co-op, which is called a housing company, who owns the whole building. There's 21 apartments in our building. And uh, that housing company is made up of a board, and the board is residents of the block yeah, yeah. and uh, basically you, you pay a maintenance fee every month which covers your your hot water your heating your uh, everything uh, you know all the maintenance that's done uh, any repairs have to be done shoveling the snow all that sort of stuff and you pay per square meter so the bigger apartments pay more smaller apartments pay less and then you meet every year to decide how the money is going to be spent is it being spent efficiently should we change companies with this you know if we have any excess money what will we do a repair do we need to take out a loan because it's a company and it can take out a loan to do something if you're like let's change all the windows in the whole and you vote on it so it's it's a lot more like and that's that's how every um apartment is in the in the whole city there's a housing company now also we have a we rent out one of our uh, one of our ground floor places as a shop i'd say and uh, you get income from that so that's income for our housing company and it's it's like everyone it's in everyone's interest that the house does well and and a, a really boring thing I, I find is um what i find it very interesting but is that like the way heating works over here so uh, all, all of the whole city is heated by district heating, which is pipes of hot water running around the whole city. And they, that comes into your apartment and it heats your apartment and your housing company pays a, a fee for that. But uh, your apartment, you just pay by the square meter. So it's a standard fee. So over here, like I, I won't be paying any more for my heating this winter. My apartment will be 20 degrees all day, every day, because that's how it is. And I don't, I, it, there, there's no... Um, being people in hardships this winter having to put on extra jackets and all that stuff because it's just the heat is provided you you don't you don't you pay a standard fee for your heating and if you're renting you don't pay for it at all you know it, the apartment owner pays this monthly fee which includes the heating so of course uh, the, the district heat providers have said that it's going to have to go up by 30% in the next year or so to cover their increase in cost with everything. But that's going to happen next year in the meeting. They'll be like, right, lads, oh, the cost of our district heating went up a bit. So uh, here's our facts and figures. You know what? We won't ex- to put that extra tarmac on the front thing there. Let's save a bit of money this way. But we're going to have to increase our fee by this much per square meter over the next year. So it's far more easy to do, far more spread yeah, out. Yeah, and incredible. no one's getting getting shocked with, like, with not yeah. being able to put oil in the tank or something. Like yeah, that, you yeah. know, but back to the, the concept of so you're saying in your apartment block, you own your apartment or you're renting it? We own our apartment at the moment. You own yeah. your apartment, yeah. But your ownership, so did you go? So this apartment was advertised for sale, yeah, and you went and bought it. Let's say yeah. it was a hundred grand or two hundred yeah. grand or something, and you bought it. But what you, you're telling me you bought was you bought you bought your apartment in a block which is yeah. run by not a management company. No. But is run by a cooperative, yeah. co-op, which has a board, which has all the residents, and they like vote yeah. like a residents association almost. Exactly, yeah. They, but they it's vote, official. But yeah. it's official. It's a company. It's set up. Yeah, it's a company it's a for profit. It's probably a charity or maybe not. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, it, it'll be a not for profit company. Yeah, not not for profit company. Exactly. Um, so it's a not for profit company. It's a cooperative. The residents vote in. They decide whatever they have their board. I assume they then they have to hire people and, as you say, yeah. contract people to to clean the maintenance and all and do all the maintenance and all that. And so then, so you in a sense are do they have any control over the price of what they sell the apartment uh, at, or how does that work? Or is no, no. It's a so like in in reality, 
you still go on the equivalent of daft and there's the yeah. price of an apartment and you buy it and like you have yeah. bought the apartment it is your apartment but like legally speaking what you have done is every square meter corresponds to one share in the company that's how yes. that, that, that's how it's legally represented it's it's you own the apartment the same as you own it back home but legally speaking it's you have this many shares in this company so you are a shareholder you are now a shareholder in your building and it, it's it's in your interest that the building does well because you are a shareholder just like everyone else is a, is a shareholder yeah, in the building yeah, yeah, and yeah. and so of course there's a there's a, i see her uh, nearly every day here there's a lady who works for the maintenance company here sweeping the scrubbing the leaves and doing whatever and doing this so sh- their maintenance company is hired by our our housing company you know so yeah, we choose who's yeah. going to do the maintenance here and yeah, at the end of the year it's like yeah. this is what that costs this is what that costs is everyone happy with that and it's like you know y- you choose what you want to do if you're like we're going to have to repaint the place lads you know and they'll be like right let's get three quotes see what it is who wants who we want to go with yeah. sort of now and it's not an onerous amount of work it's done i think they meet twice a year and you have a chairman who's elected yeah. and the, 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 the chairperson has a little bit more work but they get some i think they get 100 euros per meeting or they get something yeah, is given yeah, to them yeah, just yeah, to like because yeah, yeah. they have a little bit of stuff stuff to and do but it's all the all the blocks of apartments are managed like this all of them are done all of them that's how they're done that that's 100 typical now if you own your own uh, uh you have a detached house, for example. Obviously, yeah. that's not the case yeah. on your own. But yeah. if you're in an apartment block or even if you're in a, a terrace of houses or groupings of houses, yeah. it, it's quite often it, it's like it's that. Because you have you have shared space. It's not yeah. like in Ireland where you have these massive housing estates with your yeah. little back garden, your little this. I haven't seen a housing estate like that here. I, I've never seen one like this, like the, these big estates that we have in Ireland. It's, it's you're in an apartment or a detached house or you're in like clusters of houses and typically they they are they are are, are a company essentially that are yeah, you know yeah. they, and you're a board member or you're, you're um you're, you're part of this company essentially yeah. so it's a it, it's a completely different way of doing it yeah, yeah no, but completely and even you think about how again about thinking about things and you know the the commonality of um you know working together even to manage your own you know, apartment block and just that. Um, yeah, it's it's fascinating, fascinating. And, and for me, so, something that, that I think, I, just very quickly, that I think yeah. is important, like the fact that you have this heat, for example, going back to this heating, but that, that it's like, you ne- the apartments are never left cold, for example. You'll never like, oh, I'm not, you know, like uh, someone hasn't lived there for a few months. I'll turn off the heat. I'm not paying that bill. And then it gets damp comes and mold comes and all that. So, so like the, our apartment we're in, it was built in the 60s. It's in perfect condition, the very same as if you'd moved into it because when you have this thing where the whole apartment block is taken care of it's in all of our interests that everything is maintained well as opposed to like the way it is back home it's like everyone's out for themselves so if someone Mm. moves out and this and there and then damp comes in mold comes in little issues like that so it's like all encompassing in society that most things are thought of for the you know for the greater good which is for my good also yeah and the last one actually i could not ask you the issue of vacancy and dereliction because it's a massive massive issue here is it an issue in helsinki I can't ever recall seeing a derelict building in the city. Like as you walk through the city, I like I never ever ever see, see dereliction and um, anywhere because like when you walk, when I went there. when I went back to when, I'm sure there, there is oh, here and there just wondered, but when I went back to Dublin, I was struck by walking around and being like, "Gee, looking around and being like, here's you know uh, plants growing out of this uh, yeah. this old house. Here's yeah. this is abandoned. Like we it doesn't exist Every over here." Every street in the city has it. 
Yeah, no, there's nothing in here. No, 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 never. And they're always renovating here. There's always seems to be renovation, and there's a big emphasis put on maintaining these apartments. So your monthly fee that you pay over here is it's substantial enough, like for your apartment. Like you know, people yeah. would be a bit would sneeze it a bit maybe back home, but it's it's understood that like you can't have arses. You take care of the apartments. The facades are all done. The windows are changed again. The roofing is like they're always fixing up, keeping everything in good shape. So I don't know if the city council has a lot of say with not allowing buildings to get into dereliction or if it's just that it just doesn't make sense why would you let it become derelict and then your investment goes down like surely you want to maintain your building and rent it out so but i absolutely don't see dereliction here anywhere now I, i'm a helsinki base i've been to some small towns and i don't see it there but for sure i'm sure in smaller towns it's probably maybe more of an issue but i really don't don't see it here that's your homework for the next podcast. Yeah, for the next man, podcast. Right? Try and find a derelict building. In it's to beat the other lads. What's the name of the team? Oh, the, the Tampere, Tampere Hammer Gales. Tampere, Tampere, Tampere Hammer Gales. Gales. Yeah, there the might Hammer, be something in Tampere, Gales. we'll see. And figure out how is there no dereliction in uh, Helsinki. Yeah. That's and vacancy now. is the other one. Do you know is there many vacancy? vacancy? Well, no. no. Uh, vacancy. With the, for, I went on Daft last night just for the crack, just to see. Uh, I went on Daft and the equivalent of Daft in, in, in Finland. And when I looked last night, where are we here now? Uh, on Daft, there was 340 apartments in all of Dublin. 395 places to rent in all of Dublin. In yeah. Helsinki, there's over 10,000 places to rent. So technically, those 10,000 places are probably, most of them are probably empty, but they're available to rent. They're on the open market. There's 10,000 10, places, 10, places to rent. And I looked at, for the cheapest. That's not Airbnb now. No, no, this, that's not Airbnb. That's just normally to rent, to open on a private rental market. This is just a private rental market. Never mind social housing. This is a private rental market. I looked for the cheapest two-bed in Dublin. There was one for under 1500 it was 1485 it was a kip of a place with electric heaters and a few holes in the wall in helsinki there was 200 two beds for under a thousand there was 1600 of them for under 1500 okay for under 1500 there was one for under 1500 in dublin but there's 10,000 places to rent in helsinki right now there's 200 395 in dublin so that tells you and obviously people will say oh everyone's moving to dublin but Helsinki has grown faster than Dublin, the city itself. So like, yeah. but there's more housing than needed here and they're still building it because um, they're, like, it's slower to sell an apartment here. Our neighbours are selling their apartment. It's been for sale for months. They're waiting, waiting for a buyer to come. And so it's slower moving and you, you can't flip stuff the same way as you can back home. And it's that, but it's just an understanding that that's just how it is. It's fine. It'll get sold eventually. It'll, you'll probably bring the price down. Like when you're buying places, you typically get it under the asking price. Like it's a buyer's market, not, not a seller's market. And yeah. it's the same with, with renting places. When we were renting, we were told at a couple of places we went to, ah, we can do you a bit better, you know, because we looked at several places where we were yeah. in. so it's it's different they're not afraid that they're going to what happens if we build too much and the prices drop you know i think yeah. it's it's like yeah. you know they're, they're just building and building it's better to have too much than not enough of course it is jesus the fundamental need and human right of a home of course you yeah. should have more than enough and would to, to cover people's housing need listen dan it was brilliant uh, to chat to you and it definitely uh, chat to you again you can be our resident researcher in, oh, uh, I know you are for Tony on the echo chamber so I'll have thanks to very much no but not happy to come on anytime <laughs> and of course it's not a utopia over here and Ireland is great crack as well and it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's just to say that like look there's different ways to do things why don't we have a look at some other ways and make Ireland even better exactly exactly absolutely no no it is and and i'm also very conscious of this i'm trying to get young people to stay in ireland and change the country yep. and doing this podcast i can see the flood of uh checking out of jobs in um helsinki <laughs> after this one 
they won't have a hope at the language though so don't worry it's all right we'll, 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 we'll bring some of the wisdom from here back to ireland and, and, and it'll be grand but a few years a couple of years come over it'll be good and excellent next time dan you'll have to uh, uh we'll have to have a poke around the next time you're back, uh, back absolutely home. come over and we can play we can play we, we, we can play tremore against helsinki Harps. that's it that would be good that'll be good listen uh we'll talk to you dan listen thanks so much dan nickstrom uh from uh living in helsinki now really incredible experience there and, and so much insight brilliant insight and, and appreciate the work you put into in terms of researching for today um and taking the time to read my book as well uh gaffs which you can buy pretty much anywhere anywhere in the country at the moment which is great to see it around um and listen yeah thanks so much everyone and as always we are a podcast produced by tony groves of the um tortoise shack podcast platform and we rely on you listeners and patrons to support us to keep the cost of this podcast going we know there's there's a real big increase in listeners recently it's fabulous to have you all along and we really appreciate it and people uh people sharing them around as well the podcast is great to get it around um but if you can consider it please do go over to uh patron patreon.com you can sign up to throw us a few bob whatever you can each month i know it's really hard at the moment um but yeah we would really appreciate it it helps the to keep this show on the road and avoiding us having to get crazy ads, um, as I said um, before, like Tony brushing his teeth or something like that, um, or me talking about some sort of nonsense. What would I have to talk about, Tony? Lord only knows if we had to get actually advertising. Rory, Rory doing mattress ads. You don't want that, folks. <laughs> you don't want Rory talking about the quality of your mattress. Please go to patreon.com and avoid Rory talking about, I got a great night's sleep. And you too could have a great night. Yeah. <laughs> Give him a give him a fiver so he doesn't have to do that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks so much, everyone, and we'll talk to you all soon. <laughs>